In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1... Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast mutant is the one and only Travis Ratz here. (laughs) Travis Ratz on the ones and twos as we bring you the Comic Exposure Podcast, where we like to talk about comic books. And on this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we went a little classic. We went X-Men on this great hashtag comic book club episode. We are going to be talking about the Dark Phoenix Saga uh, by Claremont and uh, Byrne. We're going we're gonna to read, we read this classic tale of Jean Grey, Jean Grey gone rogue, but not rogue because that's a different X-Men, but she's gone rogue, like lowercase r, in this book that we're talking about today. Uh, and we went old school. Travis, we have a guest on today. Do you want to introduce our guest to the I world? I will, I will. Um, back in the day, Josh, like maybe episodes one through 75, We used to get a variety of guests on that, you know, some of them hadn't read comics ever before. Some people had read comics, but it had been a while. Uh, So I'm excited to have a new virgin comic exposure guest. He's never had sex or been on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Jonathan Town. Jonathan Town. Let's give him a round of applause on here. Yay, Jonathan. Pleasure. Jonathan, you've never read a comic before? No, I have read comics before. I think I'm okay. on that category of like, you know, falling. I've read them. It's been a while. I recently, the most recent one was like the Apocalypse Saga, but that was like a year or two ago. So, okay, All like right. the Age of Apocalypse Saga, Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, I've never read that one. I'm going to tell you, my classic X-Men is really like bits and pieces as a kid. I never read anything in any sort of long-form X-Men story. I was I, I really read a lot of Wolverine and a lot of Cable, mm-hmm. and and but I never read a lot of like X-Men, X-Men back in the day. And so this is like one of my first forays into some like, I mean, this is classic X-Men, right? Yeah. So so for me. Um, I don't have I don't have a ton of like my X Men is the cartoon X Men, yep. and so yeah. I don't have a lot of like I don't have a lot of like red X Men background that wasn't just Wolverine or Cable in the X Men or the well, New Mutants. Well, know? speaking of uh, first forays, uh, Jonathan, uh, when it comes to comics, you said you uh, hadn't read comics in a while, but what what was your first like ex- we, as the, our titular title says? Uh, what was your first uh, exposure to comics when you were younger? Really, I think it was for, like, one of my, like, 10th or, like, 11th birthday. My grandma got me, like, a shoebox, like, full of comics. She just went to, I don't want to say, like, a comic book store, but she got it at some sort of type of, like, you know, Flea market thing and just stacked. So I had an exposure to everything from Spider-Man, X-Men, Avengers, Batman to like Star Trek Generation and like all the obscure in between. So, <laughs> some Star Trek, some Star Trek comics. 
<laughs> yeah, none of them were like, you know, you know, issues, you know, 140 through 145. It was just like randomness, nothing continuing, just go in for it. So, we did cheap out grandma on the birthday gifts. <laughs> like, how about yeah. a bike? I still have the box. I got the box. I still have them, you know, in their little plastic sleeves and everything. So, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And then did you read throughout high school? Like once once you got into the the box, uh, did you start picking up uh, books here and there in high school? Um, it depended. So like I was really into Spider-Man. So Spider-Man mm-hmm. was really, like my bread and butter. And then like he got into the whole like Venom saga here and there. And then I was made aware of like Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that was pretty cool. And I, I think I have like a good catalog of like a sinister six saga here and there but really it kind of like dropped off in school a little bit and you know growing up it is what it is so didn't necessarily keep up with it as much as i would have but um i still have that collection and i made you know no arrangements to lose it because i was like no 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 no. i'm gonna keep this (laughs) follow up with it you know i'm gonna see how long i can keep up with it and maybe revisit it someday in the future so yeah, there is this time period, like, it's usually, like, between, like, 16 and, like, 25, where you're, like, uh, people drop out of comics. And some people, it's, like, 16 to, like, death uh, when they drop out of <laughs> comics. But, like, for, like, Josh and I, it's, like, 16 to 25. Uh, and then we try to recapture some of our childhood. Uh, but. I always, like, I, I wonder if, like, so I remember reading comics because my dad would go to a comic book store, right? But, like, before that, you could get them at just at grocery stores, mm-hmm. right, before Diamond took over. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's what pushed a ton of people out of just, like, randomly reading comic books as a kid. Because, like, you went to the grocery store with your mom, you went to Kroger or whatever, and you're like, oh, there's a Spider-Man, yoink. And you could just get it. But that could, that, that, that stopped happening, and you could only get them at comic yeah, books. Yeah, no, like, I totally agree. I think there's this, I have, like, a similar experience where I went into a com- or a grocery store with my mom, and uh, there was a whole, like, display, like, a, you know, one of the ones. The, the spinner. Had, yeah. Yeah, the spins that had the comics on there. I found a Venom. And the artwork is what actually drove me into getting it. You know, it was like, whatever, four bucks, five bucks at the time or whatever. But uh, I was just like, hadn't picked it up in a while, saw it on the display and was like, I have to have this. And that <laughs> one of those weird experiences was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to pick it up and try it out and see what happens. And I still have that one. So, you know, I think that experience happens to a lot of people. I think so. I think so. <clears throat> so, know, Travis Rats. Yes, sir. Oh, go, go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. No, I, was, I think we I think we're gonna about. To, I think we need to jump into the saga because this is this is quite the saga. I, th- I think we have to, I, I think you're right. We're gonna drop into the saga. So the book that we decided to read, we decided to do some some classic X Men because you know what. There are some things that people say you should read that mm-hmm. you should know these stories, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Moby Dick. Uh, like Moby Dick or like you think about like your classic uh, King Arthur tales, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got like this is a this is a seminal one or mm-hmm. like you know Sherlock Holmes and the Hounds of the Baskerville, right? Uh, like in, like in, in sitcoms, it would be Mash's final episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like there are things that you have to you have to see, right? Like uh, the 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 Seinfeld episode where they're stuck in the parking garage. Right. Right. Correct. Classic episodes of television. And so we decided to read this one, and this is some classic X-Men, like I said, uh, written by Chris Claremont, and we've got some lovely art by John Byrne is doing it, Terry Austin on inks, and then some colors that 
I like how close are they to the original colors? I couldn't tell you because like it was originally on like newsprint, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's hard. It's hard for me to like see these colors and go, yay. But <laughs> they're um, so like mono uh, chromatic. It just. Yeah, but it's like flat in the very back of this. And I'm going to skip to the very, I'm going to skip a little, one thing really quick. In the very back, there's like black and white, the line work of it, like the, the pencils and inks mm. on it. And I just wish the whole thing had been that. Oh, I, I think I would have that like that hairy Wolverine. I'm like, oh, man, that looks way better <laughs> in just in just black and white. But anyways, uh, we decided to read this one because Travis, have you read this before? Have, uh, had you read the Dark Phoenix? I've had the Dark Phoenix on my shelf for a while and I read maybe the, the first act. Uh, and it's tough. It, 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 this reading it like my 80s comics bit. can be tough. And I remember reading this being like, I don't know if I can get through this. And then when we decided to do uh, a classic X-Men, you were like, let's do Dark Phoenix Saga. And I was like, I, I, I briefly tried to talk you out of it. And then you're like, no, it'll be cool. And then like a week later, you're like, do we still have to do it? I'm like, I've sent the book off. We've already committed a guest to this. <laughs> so it's not, it's not that it's a It's So let, let's, let's just get ready right away. So, so if we could briefly, the story is, uh, Jean gray, uh, turns into the dark Phoenix, uh, bad things happen. She turns bat and she blows up some planet full of people. Space aliens are mad at her. She turns back into Jean gray they have to go a battle to the death on some moon in some in some like ruins uh, for the kind of like coup de gras end battle, mm-hmm. and then spoiler alert, Jean Grey dies. So she she kills herself to save the world from the Dark Phoenix. The universe, the universe. Yeah, not just yeah. not just Earth, but the but the universe. Like, and and I will tell you that. This does so much stuff, and what is it? It's like eight eight issues or something like that. It's a lot. It's it's many issues, and there's a whole lot of story in there and uh-huh. a whole lot of text. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of two minds on it. I'm of two minds on it. But I first, I want to hear, uh, Jonathan, what did you think of this? What did you think of this? Especially about the reading of it, Jonathan. Like we can talk about the plot and stuff, but like the, just like the act of reading a comic book that is now. Oh, what, like 40 years old almost? Yeah, so right off the bat, the artwork kind of pretty much gives a tell that, yeah, this is done back in the day a little bit, you know? So that was one of the main things I picked up. And then it's set in the 70s, apparently. So there's that whole, like, uh, weird disco vibe still going on early on in the uh, saga. When, in Jimmy Car and Jimmy Carter's president, did you guys see Jimmy Carter? The yeah. Jimmy Carter. Well, yeah, it's the days of the malt shop, guys. So uh... <laughs> I do love, I do love that Jimmy Carter's accent. You can clearly read it yeah, when exactly. you read his art. <laughs> it's great on making him sound as southern as possible, which is kind of weird. But yeah, it's it's uh, super dated. So that was one of the things I picked up. But overall, like the whole. It seemed like every issue or, you know, every end of this story, beginning of the next, they meant to recap, like, who they are, what powers they have. Um, they really made it point to where, like, if you just didn't know them and you picked it up, like, this is how, like, they explain everything in detail so the casual reader could pick it up and follow along, which I thought was kind of interesting. But, like, all of the thought bubbles, you know, throughout the whole thing and Cyclops, Jesus, like, the guy... He needs, or he needs a chill pill because he's just 
the thoughts going through his mind are ridiculous <laughs> throughout the entire entire saga. Like he's constantly like battling inner demons, Gene Gray this, Gene Gray that. Oh my god, I uh, kind of don't know what's going on right now, and I'm just gonna say it out loud. Like that's kind of the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's you're totally totally X is for exposition in this. Yeah, like the uh, it's exposition is crazy. Exposition the, man. Yeah, exposition man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, easy to follow along. I mean, it was cool. I mean, it was it different characters, a whole bunch of different characters popped up that I didn't think I'd see. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was a fun read. I would say it was a fantastic, fantastic comics here. I mean, I, I think it's might be a little on par with the apocalypse one, but that's just from personal experience. And that's the last like full one I read. Um, but it's hard to compare because this one is true and true, like X-Men throughout. So it was fun. It was cool. Ending kind of sucked. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh my god, it ended like all of a sudden. Yeah. That's it. Well, uh. we like it feels like there should be one more, one more issue. One more, right? Like a, yeah, yeah. A funeral. Where we deal with the, yeah, where we deal with the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a funeral or something, something to give me closure. I need closure. I need Scott to calm the fuck down. Is what it basically says. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? You're you're totally right, and so we can totally see how this was written uh, in a time period where you were meant to pick up the book, and and that Stanley line, like every comic is someone's first comic, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So yes. the idea that we're gonna tell you who these characters are and their thought bubbles, and we're gonna use each other's names all the time. Yep. And yep. and so these were written for single issues, and and you were telling a story over single issues. Um, but it was meant for like, if you just picked up the last issue, you'd kind of be able to get the gist of what had been going on this yeah. whole time. Um, yeah, and, and that's both good and bad. I, I think when we read it in modern times, right, as we read it in 2018, we go, wow, there's a lot of telling instead of showing. Mm. And in, and yeah. in modern comics, a lot of modern comics we read, Travis, we always talk about how like you don't like you don't really love single issues because you can read them in, in in less than a shit, right? Yep. And so you can, <laughs> you can read a whole issue. You could not read an issue of this, not one issue in a in a, in a turd. You could it wouldn't happen. No. There's just so much novelization and what's going on. Not with my digestive tract. That shit just slides out. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm gonna agree with Jonathan. It was. If you could take away sort of like the overly wordiness of it, I did dig the plot and the story and and the idea of what's going on and and the melodrama of it and the stakes of it were all very big. And at some point, I am not going to lie, uh, I started skimming anything that was a box. Yeah. (laughs) So anything. Anything that was like a box, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I can skip that. Yeah, I can probably skip that too. Um, I was like, yeah, I, I know where I know where Doctor Strange is. I don't need to read that he's in Greenwich Village. I know that. So like, there was all these little things that I kind of that that I started to skim. Like in the first couple issues, I was to- I was dedicated. I was like, ooh, Dazzler. It's part, read- it's part of the <laughs> experience of reading the old book. Yeah, right. And then it got to a part where I was like, okay, I, I got to skim through this stuff. I'm going to tell you, I finished it today. I had half – that last issue seemed like a double issue. And so so I, I finished it today. I had, I had, I had stopped reading it. Um, I had read some of it, and then I took a break and read uh, – I, I got a um, 
uh, a comic about um, Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. So I, I read this Andy Kaufman bio comic and auto, uh, this bio comic. Box and Brown, so, right? yeah, the bo- box Brown one. And so I took a break from it and I came back and I was like, all right, I got to finish it. And I made it. And I was like, I got to that last issue and I'm like, Oh, finally some big set piece. And then I was like, damn, this issue is really long. Oh, I know. And so yeah, <laughs> I, I, fin- I finished it today, but Travis, let, let's talk about, about, let's talk about what was your experience as you read it. You, you told me that you had tried to read it before. Coming back to it, now that you had to do it for a job, yeah. what was it like? So, you know, <laughs> at first it was, you know, getting into the the headset of reading something, you know, that was written a while ago. But one of the things that I really found in, in finishing it is I agree with Jonathan. I think this is this is a really good story. And as much as you see so much of what in the 90s, people loved about the X-Men being done in this series. This is the end of Claremont's and Burns' run of like 40, 40-ish issues. And all the thing that people love about the X-Men is the continuity of it. How things that were mentioned briefly in passing 12 episodes ago are now the big thing. And I thought that this story went from a really small kind of battle with the Hellfire Club into this giant galactic stakes of the universe. I thought that was paced out so well. Now, regardless, it was slogged down with a lot of caption boxes, but I feel like we took it from this kind of earthly hellfire, kind of lower stakes thing into this big cosmic battle and done really well. So I thought this, the storytelling, I think Claremont as much as he might have some issues with his dialogue being a little bit stilted and and him having to conform to that uh, way that comics were written, I think that melodrama and the continuity that people love about the X-Men is, like, present here in a big way. So I really love that. And and you also got, like, my favorite X-Men, right? Because this is essentially what the 90s X-Men cartoon was. Right. You've got uh, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Storm, uh, Nightcrawler and Wolverine in Colossus. Right. Colossus is that's the that's the 90s X-Men run. Well, I think I think that that might be a little bit more Jim Lee and uh, Claremont's run because then you got Gambit and. and Right. But but like that, those. But I mean, like. (laughs) Right. Jubilee. (laughs) Jubilee, Uh, a.k.a. New Kitty Pride. (laughs) <laughs> right, but those are these are like my X Men characters, yeah. right? It's not uh, X Men isn't Iceman for me. X Men isn't Angel for me, yeah. even though he shows up in this. Uh, these are my, you know, that continuation of it's more uh, giant size than it is the original team. Yeah, and, and I really, it, you're right, Travis. It really, really does start off this small thing where oh, we've got to find out there's new mutants, and we've got to find who these new mutants are. So we're gonna go find. Uh, um, Kitty Pride, and we're gonna find Dazzler, and then it turns into, you know, this Hellfire Club story. But then Jean Grey's mind is messed with by Mastermind, and then that triggers her becoming the stakes just build yeah, so nicely Dark in this. Phoenix, yeah, and then that, and then all of a sudden, Dark Phoenix blows up an entire planet full of people, and you're like, well, that got serious. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> this escalated a lot quicker than I thought it would. <laughs> And then intergalactic war, and she goes back, and and there's this kind of like this this cool throwback where she puts on the old costume, 
right? While they're in, well, she's got to go fight in. Yeah, they did, in they outer just carry space. those things around. Well, she had like the tailor make it on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Like she's like, here's the here's the clothing you requested, ma'am. She's like, and here are the measurements, and this is what it looks like. And he, the, the alien tailor made it for them. Um, but there was all these little cameos throughout that you know we see Spider Man and you see the Fantastic Four and I like Beast is a member of the Fantastic Four at this point or you know the Avengers yeah the yeah. Avengers yeah. He's part of the Avengers. And so it was really it was this really interesting sort of um, we're bringing in all of these Marvel things into this story. And then we're going into outer space and we've got the Kree coming in. So you've got the galactic outer space part and all that's very cool. And I think I would love and, and this is terrible to say, uh, I wish I could get this in an updated new comic book style. Yeah. Without without so much exposition. I agree. Because I really the story yeah. is really good. I really did dig the story, but it was tough to read. And tougher than like we we did uh Dark Knight Returns and Daredevil. And Dark Yeah, and Daredevil and Dark Knight Returns was tough to read, but not but the dialogue is better mm-hmm. in Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Um so it, it's just different thing. Jonathan, um, Josh was talking about like the team and like kind of the renditions of these particular X Men. How? What do you think about Claremont's uh, and Burns? Do you think they captured like what we know about these particular X Men? Are, are these like? Is this like? Oh, was that Nightcrawler to you? Was it? How well do you think he kind of captured uh, the characters as far as what we know of them today? I think it was the essence of the X-Men. I mean, I think when you think of the X-Men, you think of, I mean, for me, like, I think of the the, the cartoon back in the 90s, mm-hmm. but that was, like, such a huge squad. It's oh, hard yeah. to follow. So, I mean, for it to be a novelization and for it to be just a closed group, a closed set of team members, I thought it was the perfect balance. So, I mean, you have, you know, four excluding uh, Cyclops and Phoenix. So it was like, I think it was a perfect balance. If there was like an additional two or three other members, like Gambit or like Rogue or whoever else, like I thought it would have been like way too hard to follow along. Like I, it probably would have been at least another quarter inch thick, you know, just cramming those people's thoughts and their experiences and stuff like that in there. But I thought it was a good balance. I like Colossus, Wolverine, of course, Storm. Nightcrawler was actually surprisingly the best, um, you know, it seemed like he had a good take on everything that was going on. Like his whole thought process, his opinions on things. And he was like, I'm a new member of the X-Men. I can't wait to be here. And then all of a sudden this stuff happens. And he's like, whoa. And you get to kind of see his kind of third person point of view on all that's happening. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but uh, good balance of characters. I thought that was a good team for them to focus on for sure. Yeah, I thought that they they had a lot of fun writing Nightcrawler. You can tell that uh, Claremont liked writing. He he seemed sometimes Nightcrawler can be like a little bit serious or a little bit you know kind of brooding and stuff like that. But here he's kind of just like the whoa, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, cool! And I love how they yeah. throw in all like the German and stuff like that. Whatever it is, it's really cool. So I, I really like. Go ahead. I thought it was funny. Not to cut you off. I thought it was funny. He almost had like a Peter Parker esque type of personality. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. You know, like just, just I can't. I'm so happy to be here. This is my teams. I'm gonna fight for them and do what I need to do. Professor X taught me so much. Blah blah blah. 
So that was kind of cool to see that, not just him as like some brooding, like macabre type of like opinionated thing that he has towards all this, because that's kind of what we're used to back in the day. I mean, as far as I remember, but um, yeah, like he was pretty much one of the most surprising characters to read for sure. I, I really I, I once Beast got introduced, I thought Beast was a really great character in there. Like you don't get to hang out with Beast in the first half of this book. And then when he shows up, I love him. Beast he's is like the best. Yeah. Beast is the best because he's like he's like almost lecherous at one point where he's like the woman's like, I can give you anything you want. And he's like, oh, my stars and garters. <laughs> garters. <laughs> How funny was it that as soon as they introduce him? He's just sitting at the Avengers headquarters, just like looking at TV screens. I'm not, I don't know if they tried to insinuate it, but it was like, okay, so that's the watchdog of the Avengers? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, on. in X Men, he's like one of the top class characters. In Avengers, he has to have the best job. He's a secretary. Yeah. He just sits and watches the monitors. Um, you, you know, so let me ask you guys this. Uh, let's go. Who is your, who's your favorite X Men? And who's your favorite X Men in this book? And who's your least favorite x-men in this book uh travis i want you i want you to start off travis what, what's your favorite x-men in this book and your least favorite x-men in this book favorite x-men in this book oh god it's tough to beat dazzler but i'm gonna go with um <laughs> um you know what because my my favorite single issue in here is wolverine making his way up to the bowels of the hellfire club and as i know it's cliche to say that wolverine but in this story i love wolverine I love it when he's looking at the porno mag. Like, I thought that was pretty risque for, like, when this story was written. Yeah. He's just sitting there checking out tits on, like, his on, like his time off. So I'm going Wolverine in this one. All right. Who's your least favorite in Ooh. this one, Travis? Who's your least favorite? My least favorite? Uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of with Jonathan and the fact that I'm like, Scott, get your shit together, man. Like, don't let some, don't just fucking stand there while some dude's just like slobbering on your chick, you know? Like, have a freaking backbone, man. All right, Jonathan, who's your, who's your favorite X-Men in this book? You know, it's got to be actually a toss-up between probably, I mean, Nightcrawler had the best i think you know uh approach to what all was going on it's difficult and like crazy as it was he was the one who kind of just felt centered but like colossus surprisingly was handling himself very well and kind of interesting to see his take on things um i think it's like they didn't really focus so i wanted them to focus so much on wolverine because he's probably one of my favorites out of all of them but I'm I losing you a little bit here, Jonathan. Can you put it a little bit close to your mouth? In having his... Yeah, sorry. My cat is just all over the place right now. Get down. Sorry. <laughs> Damn cats. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, I wanted to level with Scott a lot. It was... I mean, he had the most focus. Um, but, I mean, I think at the end of the day... I think, like, Nightcrawler is probably the guy to bring it back to center. He brought the uh, whole calamity of what was happening, and he kind of expressed it in a way that was kind of relatable. Like, he's kind of the newer guy, as far as I could tell, what he was going off of, and kind of say, you know, oh, I got to do this, but Professor X told me to do that. And it was kind of interesting to get his take on it when I haven't seen him or haven't read a comic really primarily focused on him before. So that was cool. 
All right. And who is your least favorite then, Jonathan? Who is your least favorite X-Men? Oh, man. Uh, it's it's okay to say Cyclops. No one likes Cyclops. Yeah. It's okay. No, no one likes Cyclops. <laughs> okay, so the whole side story of, like, the Kitty Pride mm-hmm. thing and the Dazzler really threw me off. Because I thought that they were <laughs> jumping on board, but they didn't. <laughs> like, halfway through, like, they rescued them, they took care of them, and all of a sudden they, like, dropped them off. And they're like, all right, we're, we're done. See you guys. Like, this is it. <laughs> well, it's, so, it's so they can come back. 12 issues later and have a real important part guys yeah exactly you know it was it was cool to introduce like a new mutant to them and they're finding out her powers and she's really cool but then like all she's good for is running through walls and rescuing the team then they're like okay thanks see ya and then that's it (laughs) i just thought of something um do you think that weezer was in their garage do you think that it was phoenix saga when he's like I got Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler too. Wait, do you think he, he was reading an issue of Dark Phoenix Saga? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I thought that joke was going to uh, land a lot harder than it did, gentlemen. It, it is. You know, it's a good song. I, in In my garage is one of my favorite songs from that album. So mm-hmm. I'll give it to you, Travis, mm-hmm. for the, for the deep for the deep cut. The deep Weezer cut. All right, hit, hit me, know, hit me, Josh. Your your favorite because right. I've changed my least favorite in this conversation already. I think, I think my favorite is Beast. I think Beast was my yeah. favorite. I want to say Wolverine because you're right. That issue with Wolverine is the best issue of the whole of the whole thing. Oh right. That yeah. one and the la- and that one and the last one are my two favorite issues. But Storm was looking pretty good. <laughs> there were some slave moments like, with Storm where I was like. Mm. This is a little bit racy. Right? But there's the one scene where, like, she's, uh, like, when they're on the alien planet and they're all taking care of all of them and she's all, like, sassy on the bed. I'm like, ooh, still. (laughs) But but I I, I think Beast was my favorite. My least favorite is Cyclops because he just just whines so much, Mm -hmm. man. Like, it's you, you know how you don't like Leonardo? Yeah. No, it's the same reason. You don't yeah. like the guy who has to be the stick in the mud. He has to be the stick in the mud leader. Yeah. He doesn't get to have fun. You don't like, like Duke. Wolverine, you don't like Leonardo. Wolverine's yeah. Raphael. Yeah. You know, and and so he gets to have you know you get to like Beast is Donatello, right? Beast is Donatello. Uh, Gambit is uh, Michelangelo. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I think I think those I think Scott's my least favorite. And then Beast has got to be my favorite. I've changed. Favorite. I've changed my least favorite to Professor X. I really oh, hate yeah. Professor X in this book. Yeah. Like he's an asshole, man. Yeah, it seems like he didn't. He was there, but he wasn't there. And I and I, the one thing that bugged me the most is all this is going on, and Professor X is just like, just a second, I've got to concentrate. All right, I beat Jean Grey. I did it. None of you guys could do it. All I had to do is think hard enough, and I shut down her powers. Like, what? Why did you do that earlier, man? Like, if that's all it took. And I thought, had it not been for... um, Had it just ended there, had that Dark Phoenix saga ended with, like the two panels where they're thinking really hard and he beats her. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been really, I'd have been really Pissed mad yeah. because that just seemed like such a cheap way to get out of her being Phoenix was for him to just, they battle each other in their minds. It's done. She's somehow naked in the middle of central park. 
<laughs> like when she stops being Dark Phoenix, all of her clothes are gone. Well, Did you guys was, notice she, that? Yeah, because she was yeah. she manipulates those clothes with her mind. With her mind. Nothing worse than uh, a psychic battle. Nothing worse than a psychic yeah. battle. I, I think you could do it cool on the cartoon because things were moving and you could like. But in a comic book, this it wasn't done in a way to make it look cool, and so it just seemed like a real cheap way to end that part. But then, like, they disappeared and get sucked up to go fight intergalactic battles. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can. This is better. I like, <laughs> yeah. I like, I like what you did with this. Okay. So I think one of the things that's fun about reading old comic books is taking the piss out of them. So let's go around and let's talk about some of the things that we thought were just like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is like old timey. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what's something that stood out to you? Like, this is ridiculous. Or like, this is um, like so of the time. Uh, I mean, beside the fact that it's set in the 70s was really like, okay, but they're going into a disco club, and now there's they're trying to find some mutant named The Dazzler. It was like, okay, really? Like, is just, she just set up a disco mutant? I don't know, but... She is, um, actually. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> mean know, to dazzle first, him so hard. Yeah. <laughs> one of the first uh, times they actually got Kitty Pride, they go into, like, a mall... And they go into like a cop, like a malt shop, you know. <laughs> it's and, a malt shop. And like Wolverine is sitting there. And he's. I think that's when the the porno mag thing comes yep. along. I could be wrong. And you know, sitting in there in an ice cream shop with Colossus and Storm, they're all eating like ice cream. And all of a sudden, it's like, doom! And the wall blows up, and it was like, here we are. We're for here, you X Men. And it was like, oh, okay. This now it's happening right now. Like, he's on a grand scale. He's reading porn in a ice cream shop, like a mulch yeah. shop. Like, no, like, <laughs> what the hell? It's like, oh, that's what happened in the seventies, I guess. I am. No well, there, but, there uh, apparently there's a magazine. You can buy those magazines in the malt shop. Exactly. I'll take a double <laughs> scoop of Rocky Road and a double scoop of them titties. <laughs> but you know, it's like in one in one panel he's reading Hustler, and then the next one he's reading Penthouse, and then he puts Penthouse back, <laughs> and Playboy is on the same shelf, like. There are distinctly three different porno mags that he's looking at uh, in this malt shop, or that are at his fingertips in this malt shop. Well, he's got a he's got his bolo tie on, so you know he's down for business when when right, he yeah. puts on the bolo tie. And Travis, you know, what did you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jonathan. I'm just gonna add. Other ones was when uh, Phoenix or you know Jean Grey goes back to her parents' house, and her dad is like super conservative and. You know, wondering what's going on, and then she says or reveals that she's a mutant, and he totally like, casts her out. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of uh, off-putting when she is like willingly knowing that she could just destroy them, and she's going there with the intent of doing that. And uh, I don't know. I thought that kind of threw the uh, vibe off a little bit, but that was it. Travis, what's something you want to take the piss out of in some classic X-Men? Um, I just want to take the like with. <laughs> Cyclops is so emasculated in this. Like, he doesn't, like, his, like, they're not married at this point, right? Jean Grey and... No, Because no. they had that little proposal scene. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the fact that she's just making out with people at a disco, um, and he's he's cool with it. He's like, we're, he's not even like, we're going to talk about this later. He's like, we'll, we'll talk about it in, like, a, a really safe environment. Uh, and I just, I'm just like, get mad. And I, but I will say this. I like Cyclops's clothing choices as a civilian. I'm like, I'd wear that. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's got good style and suits and shit. Yeah, I like wow. his. 
And I also like Angel's style, like with the tank top and the headbands. Uh, when he comes, when he comes flying in the first scene, we see yeah. him. You're like, that dude is ready to get physical. <laughs> get physical. Um, if the one thing, the Hellfire Club. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The whole mastermind yes. messing with her head and everybody being like an old timey. That was the weirdest, most comic booky thing in here. Like that and then the galactic battle on the moon where there's only atmosphere at low levels, so they can't fly out of it, right? Uh, those two things were the most comic booky things. And it was such a weird Travis, you'd mention it where where like um Storm is a slave in this and this thing going on in Jean Grey's mind, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. ee, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, it's a tinge racist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, like, like a Calypso, like Barbados slave right. too. Yeah, and and I would tell you that was my that was the least interesting part to watch was all those weird scenes. The sort of like, this is what's going on. Until the Wolverine comes and beats everybody up. And the other super comic booky thing are the bad guys with the weird metal human colored skin faces. Some, Those are sometimes they look terrifying though. There's a couple of shots where you're like, <laughs> I can imagine someone coming at me with that mask on and being like, ooh. But it it's weird because it's flesh colored. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, is it supposed to be flesh colored or is it just because we had such a limited palette when this was when this was printed? To make it look, I don't know. It was it was weird, but um, the that whole Hellfire Club thing, I get that it was the thing to get Jean Grey to flip the switch and become the Dark Phoenix again, right? You needed someone to mess with her mind, but it was, I don't know. It was such a weird, dumb thing. Oh, I see. I'm gonna disagree. I think the Hellfire Club. I like those dudes. One, because they don't take on like monikers. They don't take on like bullshit superhero names. They go by like their Victorian <laughs> names. And two, I love how Shaw has to have his shirt off when he fights. Like at one scene, like he has it off and he fights him and he puts his shirt back on again. And then and then Wolverine comes in. And he's like, oh shit, it's it's on again. He starts unbuttoning it. You see him being like, oh, you messed with the wrong. And then the other guy who can like make your mass that's such a cool power is just increase the mass of something i thought that was yeah i think because at this point in the x-men run you can kind of tell they're starting to run out of power sets like there's they're stretching (laughs) you know yeah it's like by the time we get to like marrow and like some of the weird x-men the 90s like remember that one who had slugs on them like those electric slugs <laughs> so like here yeah. you start to get you feel like we're running out of powers. It was ju- I, like it was just such a it was so the Victorian stuff was just super cheesy. I don't know what it was. That's the one part for me that felt the most old comic book was that tr- was that sort of like setup where it's this club and one of them is making Jean Grey think that she's in. I don't, it was such a it was such a goofy premise. It's really gross though when you see like Mastermind all old, like and old what he and really creepy, looks like, and then Jean Grey's looking all hot and sexy, and you're like, oh, that old man. Like when they go upstairs, they're like, are they gonna do it? Is she gonna do it with that old man? <laughs> and I felt really bad. <laughs> so 
guys, let's let's uh, let's talk. Um, let's talk a little bit about what was your favorite beat in this, Travis? You you and I already kind of hit on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan, what was your favorite part of this quite long story? If you had to narrow it down to one thing, what would it be? I don't know. Like, I think the part where they, I mean, actually jumped into like space all of a sudden from Central Park or wherever it was. Like, that, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, it seemed like it was ending. It seemed like it was coming to a close. And then all of a sudden they get zapped into a spaceship in outer space, like, you know, distant planets away. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, this is why we pulled you here because Phoenix is you know, messing so many things up for us and we need to address it right now. And we're going to have you play an intergalactic game of, you know, uh, ultimate warrior or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) A battle to the death. It is very secret. It it was very like secret wars type of uh, battle going on. I thought it was a good good, um, refresher, so to speak, of getting out of like, New York and Chicago, where it was primarily based out of, and um, I thought I didn't even see it coming. I, um, to be honest, I didn't see it coming, so I thought that was really cool. It was it was a really good way to kind of set the stakes way high, right? To take it from this small thing to all of a sudden go like, oh no, Dark Phoenix is this giant threat that that it's it's more than just this little thing; it's this huge, big intergalactic threat, and of course. Uh, the lady and uh, and Professor X had hooked up before. Cause... Oh yeah, that was cool too. <laughs> that was like, like you, you were almost like, ooh, that was a bad last date. Maybe they're kind of like mm-hmm, <laughs> on the fritz. I don't know. And that she's was like, I'm an, see that play out. I'm an empress now, so I've got to kill your student. That's just <laughs> how it is. I've got to do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, uh, well, Travis. So much of so much of what happens in this particular uh, series affects the X Men for like decades to come. Like that Leandra and Professor Xavier relationship that comes back again constantly in the '90s. It's part of the onslaught uh, thing in the '90s. Um, you have Jean Grey coming back again. You know, as Phoenix and Dark Phoenix, and that keeps coming back up again. Um, you know, Kitty Pride becomes a huge, important member of the X-Men later in later runs of things. So, so much of what happens is introduced in this story. It affects the X-Men uh, continuity for like, decades to come. And I think that one of my favorite other beats besides the Wolverine is where Phoenix first rises in outer space and you see her flying through the cosmos because it's at that point where I get a real sense of how big of a threat she really is you know when you just see her floating through space and you know she passes the satellite dishes and she they talk about like her hunger and how she needs to get to this crystal and feel that power again uh, I thought that was really cool and some of the art was in there Especially when she sends a mastermind and blows his mind with the yeah. infinite of space. I thought like that was a really good establishing of how powerful this woman is. Like how cool was it to see that this guy just completely like absorbed in all of the awe of the cosmos and like to see him like wither down and then you actually get to see what he looks like. Yeah. Because the whole time you're thinking he's just like suave, mustachioed, good groomed, like weird guy out of like you know 1880 
but he's still trying to rock it in 1970 type of look, you know. And then yeah. and then he turns into like a dude who's got free kittens in his van. Like that's <laughs> what he looks yeah, exactly. like. Or or the person they take the mask off of on Scooby Doo. Yes, like, that's what it is. Kids. Like, like, look exactly like that. Yeah, exactly. And then you see him like cripple down and go into like a you know, he goes into like a coma apparently, just like yeah, just potatoed all the way through. To be honest, yeah. guys, though, if I could get a crack at Dark Phoenix in the Victorian wear, I would be fine with my mind being wiped after that. I would be like, it's only going to go downhill from here. Just just end it now. What did it's, they call it's, her? The Black Queen? Is that what they called her, right? The Black Queen. Yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah. she's very much the exact opposite of Emma Frost. Like, Emma Frost is in here for a very small amount of time, and they're, like, wearing almost the exact same outfit. But, they are, yeah, almost. yeah. But Emma Frost has got the has got is is walk is rocking the white with the thigh highs. <laughs> you know? So much thigh, so much thigh, so much thigh. Okay. So much right thigh. The thigh high is a must in any sort of comic book when you're a heroine for sure. Like you need you need to have the thigh guy thigh high game on point for sure. Yeah, because right, when, like, when you're throwing high kicks, you don't want like to be restricted at all. <laughs> You know, you know when you go to like beaches. This might not be the case, <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of chance for some. I don't know. It's very vulgar, but like a a a, a clit slip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> I feel uh. like I feel like there's not a lot of space there. I mean, these things. Look at Josh's face. He's. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, nope. <laughs> uh, we're going to back off that one. No, but, like, seriously, these outfits are so ridiculous. They are, like, don't tell me, like, Storm's outfit is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's hot, but it's, like, who fights in that? Like, really? <laughs> it's, like, metal hoops keeping pieces of it together. And, like, I also think well, that so Nike... Go ahead. That's uh, Jean Grey from... You know, when they went to the uh, the space, you know, spaceship, and they got zapped up there. And she but got she's that, wearing the miniskirt? Yeah, the, the alien guy made this tailor-made suit where she's, like, throwback. I think it was, it was called Miss Marvel? She's yeah, Miss it Marvel. was her, yeah, like, her original suit, yeah. Her original suit. Like, that was kind of like, whoa, like, she's going, like, retro, and, it like, it looks retro, for sure. You know, you're just, like, thrown off, like, okay, all right, we're going this direction, okay. It's not, a sexy, it's like, not a sexy look. It's not a sexy look. Yeah, her and Wolverine have matching uh, headgear like that. That's true. That's, yeah, yeah, they do. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like how um, Nightcrawlers—they're uh, like—and he can blend in darkness till he becomes invisible. I'm like, with the white boots and the red on there, you think like, <laughs> if part of his power is like blending in the shadows, like, why not go all black? Because them boots are sweet. Don't <laughs> even lie. Them pirate boots. Yeah. But then, like, his little toes are there, so I'm confused. <laughs> it's tailor-made custom. It's, right? it's a private private custom tailor for the X-Men, for sure. Right? And he's, like, those little feet, those are weird. Those are weird little feet that, that he's got. Um, Let's talk about art. But... We're at the art stage of the of the podcast now. We're going to take a little bit deeper dive into the art. Um, uh, Jonathan, what do you think um, about... You know, when you look at more modern comics or you look at how the X-Men are drawn here, what what struck you about the art? Um, specifically the art, I mean, it looked... I mean, we made a comment earlier about how the, the palette just itself was kind of, you know, dated in, in a sense where it was very flat, but, like, it was... Um, 
I mean, it, it worked for the story, I feel, and the decade that it was set in. I don't know. They obviously didn't do it on purpose, but, I mean, if I looked at comics now and look at this one, I'm like, okay, yeah, this one's old, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but I didn't mind it. I mean, it still got the message across. It, um, you know, still was stylized pretty cool, and obviously there's some, you know, aforementioned bell bottoms here and there, especially <laughs> that disco club scene and the... Um, you know, the way that the Hellfire is dressed, just, uh, God, Jesus, the guys get out of, you know, 1864, for Christ's <laughs> sake, like, get out of there. But, uh, I mean, no, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's an older comic. You knew co going into that that it was an older comic. I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right, you know? Josh? I do I do love some John burn like i i love I, I do really dig this style i the color doesn't do it any justice and like i said before there's a couple sample pages in the back of the trade that i have i don't know if they're in the ones yeah. that you guys have yeah. um that are black and white and it yeah. looks super good it's fantastic um, yeah the pencils. yeah i do love i do love john burns uh wolverine all the body hair it's wonderful. Like the amount of time it took to the the amount of time it took to draw all the hair on on naked uh, Wolverine must have taken a while. Um, but you know, but it's a product of what it is. Um, I do, you know, I you know, Travis. I have a ton of like eighties uh, graphic novels from Marvel, yeah. and they all have a very sort of similar styling to them. They're all you know drawn by. It, very much in that style and so i have like a weird deep love um but the coloring was it, it's just it was just really hard to to get past some of the coloring in it um and i don't know if it it looked better in its original form and now that it's on glossy paper it just it it's too bright if that makes sense you know but I, you know i i did dig the art uh i do like the i do love i mean these are wonderful costume designs man like yeah. that wolverine costume is wonderful storm's costume although like the cape on storm is fantastic it's such a cool like distinct sort of style i do love uh the dark phoenix costume um angel's costume is kind of dumb but like i do love i do love sort of these stylized versions these these versions of the x-men are are the x-men i remember Right. And all you yeah. got to do is you, you take off Cyclops. You, you let let us see Cyclops hair. And it's essentially what I remember. Right. Right. You know, so, that, that that Jim Lee look that he did really just tweaked these these costumes a little bit. But uh, I dug the art for what it is. You know, it, it's not it doesn't look like modern comics because it's not a modern comic. And, you know, I'm reading uh, the, the guy who did um, Hip Hop Family Tree. Mm -hmm. uh, is doing X-Men, the entire history of the X-Men. Oh, shit. And he's redoing it all in, uh, like, 60 to 80-page comics. And so the first two issues of it are out. So it's a really sort of... It's a cool indie look at X-Men, and it literally is cramming all of X-Men history into these mm -hmm. books. And so the two that I've read so far, the two that are out, are fantastic. But it's done in this it's it's on this newsprint style paper, so it looks old school, but it hits his sort of indie artwork with it. Oh, that's cool. And it's, yeah, and it, it's yeah. taking classic cart it's taking classic comics but doing them in a modern way. 
And so I really, I really dig that. And so um, it just makes me think, that's why I said like, I, I'm really interested to see him do dark Phoenix saga. Cause I think it's in the next piece he's doing the next issues that he's doing. will have this story in it. So I'm really interested to see how his take on that, what it looks like compared to this one. Nice. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's time for favorite panels, ladies and gentlemen. Did you tell Jonathan you had to find a famous? I a did tell Jonathan. Normally I Jonathan. Jonathan, let's start. Let's start with you, buddy. What's your favorite panel? I think the panel that I like the most is when they are basically wrapping up, getting um, her out of her whole, um, you know, dark black queen thing, and getting her back to the X Men, and they think all is cool, and then all of a sudden she snaps on them, and she basically exclaims, you know. I am fire, I am incarnate, I am the dark phoenix. Like, to me, like that, I guess it's on page 111 of the book I have, and basically says, I am phoenix, and blows up the whole, you know, ship Oh, yeah, 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 boom. I like, love that, yeah. To me, and then, you know, the eyes, the costume, everything, you know, the red hair going crazy, and I just thought that was kind of the overall emphasis that, like, okay, yeah, she's here to uh, fuck shit up, essentially. <laughs> and I do love the first page of the next issue. Like, that panel there leads to the next issue where it oh, blows yeah. up and the blow yeah. up says Dark Phoenix. That's a really, oh, that's, that's really cool. That's, that's so comic booky, and I love it. <laughs> but, uh, Travis, what's your favorite panel? I don't know. I, I might be stepping on your toes, Josh. I got this. I'm I, like, oh, I, I think this sure. might be one. I like, on, I like on page 51. Uh, oh, no, I, I'm not there. Okay. Okay, that's um, impressive. It's, it's where Nightcrawler does the three-punch knockout. Yeah, that's good. And <laughs> I love how his eyes are just, like, caught in the teleporting still. It's got, like, a real yeah. sinister. Like, this is very, like, much, like... You'll see this in like the late '90s, how they try to make Nightcrawler like a little bit more sinister, as macabre yeah. as Jonathan was saying. And I love how he's like, "I tried this once before. I've been dying to try it." I love everything about this panel. I love the three uh, single punch, and I also like it how he's like, "I've been aching to try this stunt again." And then they're like, <laughs> "Last used in X Men." Like we're gonna go reference when a punched was a punch was used. I love that. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of that throughout this book. There's a lot of like editorial, like see last ish. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. Banff. They put the letters in between the warp, and then you have the walk, bok, sock. <laughs> I do, I do love that. That's pretty good. Mine is on page seventy-seven. It's the first uh, page of the mostly Wolverine issue, uh, issue one thirty-three. Oh yeah, and yeah, he's. Yeah. He's up in the ceiling. He's got water on him, and all the bad guys are below him. I love that panel. And if it's not that one, it's the last panel in the issue before where Wolverine's in the water and he's all shadowed over and oh, the, the shadows are on him. Yeah, uh, and he yeah. says, okay, suckers, you've taken your best shot. Now it's my turn. I do – those two panels are probably my favorite. Uh, and really almost every panel where he's fighting in that, in that, uh, in that issue is fantastic wolverine fighting like just there's so low and just like that's like yeah. i think of when i think of wolverine squatty squatty sure, and muscular yeah. you know yeah but i i really did dig it so here here's here's where we go gentlemen here's what i want to know uh travis 
Would you recommend the Dark Phoenix Saga to someone? I mean, you did because you made Jonathan read it. But <laughs> aside aside from Jonathan, would you give this? It's now in your hand. You've got it. You can pass it off. Would you pass it off to someone? I don't. I would be very remiss to pass this off to just like anyone um, uh, because if it's not someone who reads comics a lot or like knows kind of like the history or like the, the tentpole issues, you could run a real risk of never having them read another comic book ever in their life. Um, because of the way it's, it's, it's dated in its storytelling. Um, but anyone who I would hand to anyone who's like, Oh, I love the X-Men movies or I I love the X-Men. And the first question comes, have you read the Phoenix Saga? Because this is, if you look online, like the best X-Men stories, this is always listed in the top five X-Men stories like ever Age told. Age of Apocalypse. And yeah. it's usually Apocalypse. number one. And it's usually number one. Yeah. So it would be like, oh, I love the X-Men. Well, then maybe you should read what's considered the best X-Men story by, by most fans. And one of, I mean, one of the most cherished X-Men writers, right? Yeah. Like Claremont is is like a revered X-Men writer, um, who really gives you that melodrama, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that soap opera style that you get with them. Right. You know, there's no beach volleyball, which is, you know, kind of upsetting. But <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> there's no 90s beach volleyball scenes. Uh, but um, I, you know, Jonathan, would you recommend to someone now that it's in your hand, you can hand it off. Would you hand it off to somebody? I think I would. I, I think it's um, a story that. Just jumping into it, if you didn't know, it's very relatable. I mean, you have that whole thing with, you know, Scott and Jean, where it's just like, he is battling back and forth, like, with her and her darkness and, like, her all weird thing. And then he, like, sees her making out with, like, random guys. And it's like, I feel like people today would relate to that. And they'd be like, well, what the hell, guys? Like, I want to read more. Like, um, but the whole thing where it's, battling inner demons it's it's struggling to get accepted with the whole team that supports you but then you kind of basically destroy them and the onset <laughs> of what happens yeah. after that and all of a sudden you know it goes it flips the script and all of a sudden you're in space and you're on a spaceship and then you're on a moon and you're fighting like everybody to the death in like a death match and it, like it was uh i thought it was really good the writing was really good with all the thought bubbles that it had it was still very cool. Um, really good writing. The characters were strong. Um, you know, aside aside from the illustrations being a little dated and it's and, you know being it set back in the seventies or whatever with you know Dazzler and the Disco Club and all that stuff, um, the Hellfire Club and those weird what looked like racist dudes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was uh, it was it was cool. It was a good story. I hated the ending. I wanted a follow-up. I wanted a conclusion. I wanted some closure afterward. I think that that is probably what would, um, you know, get people into wanting to read more. So on that aspect, I would totally recommend it for sure. So what you need to do, Jonathan, is you need to go find X-Men 138 Mm -hmm. so you can read... (laughs) The issue after this, I would agree with you. That's the one thing that seems strange about this is we put all these issues in here and you couldn't give me the next. I like, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe one thirty eight just goes somewhere completely different. I mean, so right. There's no epilogue to it. I don't know, but that, I think you're right. I think that's the one thing it's missing. Travis, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, you, I'd have to find someone who, 
who hasn't read it, who reads comic books, who who wants to, you know, read a classic X-Men tale. Like we did the same thing when we read uh, when we read Old Daredevil. Right. Yeah. Like it was tough. But then all of a sudden it got really good. Mm. And I feel like the same thing happened with this book. Like as soon as we get as soon as she, be, she becomes Dark Phoenix, I'm like, OK, awesome. Let's let's run with that. And then, you know, I, I think if I could share I, I want to share it with someone who wants to who wants to read classic X-Men, not someone who wants to read a comic book for the first time, because I, I think it might be tough for someone to jump into. To break but in. I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good for someone who wants to go read some classic stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in. Jonathan, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Hey, thank you for having me. It was fun. This is cool. I've uh, now, wanted to get jumping back into stuff, so it was a privilege to be a part of this. Appreciate it. Well, now we're going to bring you back again, and we're going to make you read something modern instead of instead of something from the 1970s. So we're we're gonna we're gonna we're we're gonna get you we're gonna. You, Good. We're going to get you back on the show reading something new. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to Comic Exposure. Remember, you can find us at www.comicexposure.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. Find out what's going on. Uh, Travis and I, uh, March book. I don't know that Travis knows this, but our March book is uh, is going to be Mind Management Volume 1. Oh, I finally one my- snuck that in there on finally me, Finally huh? snuck it in uh, I've got a I've got a buddy coming on the show, uh, Brandon Wolfgang, who said he wanted to read something sort of like cerebral and out there. And uh, Mind Management by Matt uh, Matt Matt Kind is going to be a super cerebral indie book. Uh, and I'm I'm so looking forward to making you read it, Travis, because uh, I've been trying to get you to read it for a long time, and now I'm now now i've done I see it. how it works so, and don't forget we're not done with our x-men yet because our next variant is we're going to be going over the whole season one of the x-men animated series right oh. next issue is x-men animated series we're going to be checking out that uh and what i want to do travis is is uh i want to i want to ask all of our friends out there what what 90s x-men meant to them so you might hear some bleeps and blurbs from people that we can get in here uh into the show about what 90s x-men meant to us so we're going to try to reach out to a bunch of our old guests okay and get them to tell us what 90s x-men meant to them because they all know it they yeah. all know 90s x-men <laughs> uh so that'll be that'll be our next episode will be the 90s x-men ex- episode then the march uh book for uh march will be mind management volume one uh dark horse comics uh go find it it's hardcover but i you can get it pretty cheap on uh on amazon and the hardcover these days uh so ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in it was a pleasure travis rats as always Always a pleasure uh, sir. jonathan thanks for coming on and boys and girls we'll see you next trade <laughs>